You're listening to the East Point Podcast. For more information about East Point, check out our website at www.epcjacks.com. Oh, it's been good. Amen, church? We have uh, Ms. Shannon's husband, uh, Dr. Rick Carter, with us today. We've known the Carters for about 20 years. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about what's happened Uh, this weekend. We had an elders meeting yesterday, and many of you, of course, know that we are in a building program here. We're looking to build a new auditorium and convert this facility into children's facility. And our elders have been praying and uh, meeting with me. We had talked about what possibilities are out there, how we can present various things, what's the best way to go about a campaign. And Dr. Carter has an extensive Uh, experience in those areas. And so we called him. I said, Doc, would you come out and talk with our guys? So yesterday he came out and met with our elders and me and we had a great meeting and our elders are praying. We're going to pray over the next month about the best way to come back to you as a church and share with you some of the stuff uh, that uh, we have gleaned. And so I asked Dr. Carter, I said, why don't you stay over and just preach for us? And so a great preacher, God's blessed his ministry. He has held several different positions, not only as senior pastor of a number of churches, but as vice president of Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri as well. And uh, the church he's at now in Gulfport, Mississippi. Anybody from Mississippi? Gulfport, I, no, no roars, nothing. <clears throat> you got nothing there, brother. One little, one little, okay. He's in Gulfport, Mississippi. He actually used to pastor years ago, had a great ministry there. God called him to some other places. Then they called him back. And I thought, wow, that's tremendous that you could be called back to a church. Amen. <laughs> and they called him back and he's doing a great job there. And so uh, Dr. Carter is going to come and present the word to us today. So would you welcome, please, my friend, Dr. Rick Carter. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you in my own world. Okay, there we go. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be here at your church. It was good meeting with your elders of your church yesterday and talking to your pastor and just filling his heartbeat for this ministry. And I want to commend you as a church uh, for your wisdom in calling your pastor and his wife. They're wonderful, wonderful people. They are spirit-filled, godly people, and he is a man of passion. And I assure you that if you will follow him, he will lead you to higher ground. He's done a great work for God everywhere he's ever been, and he will continue to do so here. And I thank you for being here this morning. It's my joy to be here with him. As he said, we've known each other for a long time, and uh, he's still young, and I'm seeming to age, but nevertheless, he's still vibrant and strong, and so I thank God for him. Speaking of uh, being a guest speaker this morning, I'm reminded of the preacher that was a guest speaker, and as he got up and started his message, he noticed that he is just getting started into his message about 10 minutes, and uh, there was a gentleman that got up and walked to the back of the congreg- uh, to the auditorium, and he began to walk back and forth, and as he would walk, he, he would look like this, and he would look like that, and he, he would look, and he, he would walk to the other side of the auditorium, and he would look, and he would look over here like that. And the, it made the preacher nervous, especially one time when he, when, when he went like this right here, the preacher noticed that he had a gun tucked right inside his belt right here. That really made the preacher nervous. And so the preacher said to him, Sir, I, I, I don't know what you're doing, but you're making me nervous up here, and I see you got a gun back there tucked in your belt. And the man said, Sir, preacher, don't worry about that. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm trying to find the guy that invited you here. <laughs> 
I just want you to know that he is on the front row right over here, okay? <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning is where we're going to start. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said here to the Corinthians, he said, I want you to be steadfast, unmovable. And what Paul was saying to them is, if when we get saved and we begin to grow in the Lord, uh, we, we kind of take a, a charge of our life in areas that Satan used to have uh, the ground in our life. And what Paul is saying here is, is once you take this ground, uh, hold on to it. Don't give it back to the devil. I mean, don't, don't give it back. Be steadfast, unmoved. But, but he said... Don't get comfortable there because I want you to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. That means he, that, that he wants you to be perpetually growing in your walk with the Lord. Then in 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To grow in grace means that we practice what we know already about the Bible. You see, I find today there's a lot of people in my congregation that they may know a lot about the Bible, but they don't practice what they already know. And Peter says here, you need to practice what you already know about the Bible. Now, talking about growing in the Lord, there is one prerequisite that I want to share with you by way of introduction. There is a prerequisite to growing in the Lord, and that first prerequisite is you must be in the Lord. And that, by that I mean you must know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You got to be, as John says, you got to be born again of the Spirit of God. And uh, if you're here this morning and you're not born again, or you don't even know what that term means, uh, then my friend, you're probably not born again of the Spirit of God. But let me say this to you today, God loves you. If you want to be born again, all you got to do is realize that Jesus Christ is God's virgin-born Son, that He lived a sinless life, that he died an atoning death. And by that I mean that when he died on the cross, it was more than just an expression of love. He was dying there paying my sin debt and your sin debt. That he was buried, he rose again the third day. If you believe that, you can just bow your head and say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart and be my Savior. Now, to those of you who are you are children of God. You know you're saved today. I want to I start my message here by asking a couple of questions. And I really ask you to be honest with yourself. It has been said that the worst deception in the world is self-deception. If you deceive yourself on the question that I'm going to ask you this morning, uh, you can forget about growing in the Lord. And so this is my question. Number one, here it is. I'm not asking you to Answer me out loud. I'm not asking you to turn to your spouse or anybody else and answer them. But here's the question. Are you growing in the Lord? Now, I did not ask you, have you grown in the Lord? I did not ask you, are you planning on growing in the Lord? Neither of those are my questions. My question simply is this. Are you currently in a growth mode in your Christian life? You see, I'm going to be honest with you today. I believe one of the reasons, and I'm sure there's more than one, but I believe one of the reasons that churches do cease to grow is because the people stop growing. 
And when you stop growing, you become stale and stagnant, and, and you start going through the motions of Christianity, and you start going through the motions of worship, but it's not real, and it's not vibrant, it's not, it's not dynamic in your soul. Now, the answer to the questions are simple. It's either yes or it's no. It's not rocket science here this morning. Now, for those of you who answered the question and you said, Preacher, I'll be honest with you, no, I'm not growing in the Lord. Then I want to thank you for your honesty. And there is, there is hope for you that you can start growing. Now, for those of you who said in your heart and soul, yes, preacher, I'm growing in the Lord, I want to ask you a couple follow-up questions. My first question to you is this. In what area or areas in your life are you growing in? And if you've got to stop and think about it, you're probably just fooling yourself. Because if the God of this universe is at work inside of you, you know it. You absolutely know it. My second question to you is this. If you say you're growing in the Lord, my question is this. What, what changes have you made in your life as a result of your growth? To say you're growing in the Lord and making no changes in your life, you're fooling yourself. If you're growing in the Lord, you are making changes in your life. The philosopher Parmenides says, whatever is, is. To which philosopher Hercules countered and said, no, whatever is, is changing. John Maxwell said it like this, you can't go with God and stay where you are. You can't go with God and stay where you are. And then probably, probably by the time I was 28, 27 years of age or 30 years of age, I read this statement by Warren Wiersbe, and, there, and there's very few days that, that I live my life that this statement does not loom in my mind every day. Warren Wiersbe said this, if God is not working in you, then God is not working through you. That is so powerful. What is God doing inside of you today? Did you know I read a statistic not long ago that said that, that the, the statistic said that 75% who people who go to church on a regular basis and a regular basis was defined as anyone who goes at least twice a month, 75% of those people said that God never speaks to them whatsoever. Sad, sad, sad. Now, why do people not grow in the Lord? I think there's some obvious reasons. I think one is that sometimes we equate longevity of salvation with maturity. We think, okay, I, I, I've been saved five years or 10 years or, or 20 years, and therefore I'm, I'm growing in the Lord. The longevity of the time that you've been saved does not mean you're growing in the Lord. It does not equate to that. And if you think that, my friend, that's a good sign you're not growing in the Lord. I think another reason why we don't grow in the Lord is because we confuse activity with spiritual growth. Oh, we're busy. I mean, man, we're running here. We're doing this. We're going there. I mean, we're, we're busy as we can be. And because we are busy, even in, quote, the Lord's work, we equate that as spirituality, and they're not the same thing. If you're busy, you're just simply busy. 
I think there's another reason why sometimes we don't grow in the Lord, and that is because we, we become more concerned about our comfort than we do our conformity to the image of Christ. The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. And I want to tell you and I today, if you and I are not growing in the Lord, it's not because God's not knocking on your door. It's because you have enshrouded your life in so much carnality that you don't hear God and you don't sense God working in your life. Because God is never going to leave you alone. God's never going to just wash his hands and say, okay, you're saved. You want to live a carnal life? I'm never going to bother you again. That never happens, my friend. If you're here today and you're not growing in the Lord, I'm telling you the Spirit of God is knocking on your door today. I think another reason we don't grow is because we resist God's plan of change in our life. So many times as people, we, we don't like change. Oh, we just want everything to remain just like it is. Remember what Hercules said, whatever is, is changing. And that is so true. You see, so many times when God begins growth programs in our life, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, and we don't like it. But can I remind you this? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse 8 that though he were a son, yet learned he obedience, talking about Jesus Christ, by the things which he suffered. And we always want to go through life with no pain and no suffering. And so often the results of that is no spiritual growth. Now, how can we grow in the Lord? I would say to you the first thing that's got to happen is we must become dissatisfied with where we are. I hear people say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with my spiritual life. That's part of the problem. <laughs> That's part of the problem. It's not whether or not you are comfortable with your life, but is the Lord comfortable with your spiritual life? I, I hear people say, well, you know what? I, I'm just as good a Christian as, as anybody else. I, I'm just as good a Christian as old Brother Patrick is. You might be a better Christian than what Brother Patrick is. But did you know the Bible says that if you compare yourselves with yourselves, you're not wise? And that word for being unwise there means that same word is the root word for which we get our word for being very foolish. And for you to sit here today and say, well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm just as good a Christian as anybody else in this church is. You are being very unwise and very foolish about your Christianity and about your walk with the Lord. You see, we are to be growing in the Lord. But I'll tell you, until you become dissatisfied, you won't ever change. You've got to see the need for change in your life. You've got to see the fact that you're not really growing and God has a plan for your life. And you've got to make it your life's goal to prove that perfect will of God in your life. And then I say, second, not only must there be dissatisfaction, but there's got to be a direction. Now, when I say a direction, one of the things that... Um, I find that most Christian people will do at this point is this. I find that most Christian people will say something like this in, to themselves. You know, preacher, you're right. Preacher, you're right, and, and I do need to be growing in the Lord. And so I'm going to start growing in, in, number one, this area. Number two, this area. That's not what I'm suggesting for you to do today. I don't think that's the wisest way to go about Christian growth. You see... If we're saved today, we have someone that dwells inside of us that is omniscient. 
I don't know if what's best for my life. Oh, I know what I think is best for my life, and I know what I like in my life, but I don't know what's best in my, in my life. And so, therefore, I think before we sat on a direction that we ought to just simply say to God, God, I recognize that I'm not growing in the Lord, but God, I, I want to grow in the Lord, and God, here it is right here. Here's the prayer you ought to pray. God, I give you permission to start a growth program in my life. And then if everything begins to fall apart, you just say, yeah, this is a normal Christian life, isn't it? Right here, here we go, God. Amen. Grow me, strengthen me, develop me, make me more like you. You see, God is all about our conformity. In the process of living the Christian life, I've learned you can choose to get bitter or you can choose to get better. You can choose to get calloused or you can choose to get conformed. It's, it's whatever you want to choose. You, I mean, you can choose to get bitter or you can choose to get better. It's your choices in life. God help us today to follow the Lord. Now, I want, to, I want to just make a couple suggestions here. I'm going to talk about a few areas today that, that you may need to grow in in your life. One I've already referenced, but I'll start back there. And that is just simply an obedience to Christ. You see, the Bible says in James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him is what? Sin. It's exactly right. And you know, God only knows how many of us are in this building this morning that we know, but we don't do. And, and God says, I want you to understand, Rick, for you to know and not do, Rick, that's sin in your life. Whether it's a lack of faith, whatever, whatever my reason is, that is sin in my life. We, we, we need to create a spirit of obedience. If the Bible says it, I, I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to trust God. You see, one of the things that happens in the Christian life, and I hear people saying this all the time, well, preacher, you know, I'm, I'm trying to live for God. And preacher, I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. You know what? Let me tell you something. When you live your life like that, I guarantee you're going to fail. Because the Christian life is not designed to, to live by trying. It's designed to live by trusting. And what, and what I mean by that is this. You've got to say this right here. If this book says it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to leave the consequences up to God, whatever they are. God loves me, God cares about me, and God knows everything about my life. I'm not perfect, and God knows that, but he loves me in spite of who I am and what I am, and God's going to grow me and develop me, and I'm going to trust God. You see, when you live your life by, by trying, God has to let you fail. You understand that? God has to let you fail because you're trying to live the Christian life in your own power. And the Christian life is not lived by the power of yourself, but Christ that dwelleth inside of us. And you have to yield your life over to God and let him be truly become the Lord and master in your life. Some of you need to grow in the area of forgiveness. I never cease to be amazed at the number of Christians that I meet on a regular basis that live with bitterness in their life. Someone did them wrong. Someone hurt them. Someone did, and they've never forgiven them. Can I remind you that one of the songs that we sang this morning talked about the fact 
of what Jesus has already said, that if we don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. And, and you, you, you think, well, you know, they hurt me. They, they've never come to me and said they're sorry, so I can't forgive them. That's a lie from the devil. Can I tell you today that Jesus got hurt a great deal in this world here? That they, he was despised, rejected of men. They beat him. They beat his face to a bloody, bloody pup of flesh. I, I, I mean, I mean they, they literally nailed him on a cross. But listen to this now. When Jesus was hanging there on the cross, I, never read, I don't ever read in the Bible where anybody ever ran up to him and said, Oh, God, I'm, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But yet I do read in the Bible where Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I want to say to you today, you have got to make the choice to forgive people. I don't care what they've done to you and how they have hurt you. You've got to make the choice to forgive them, and that will free you and liberate your soul, and you will begin to live again in your life. Amen. I'm reminded of what? Of a statement that Nelson Mandela made. Those of you who are a little older, will you remember the story of Nelson Mandela? He was imprisoned, I think, for approximately 25 years in South Africa over their laws of segregation called apartheid. He was imprisoned because he violated those laws for 25 years of his life. 25 years. And when he was released, there was a reporter there who said to him, Mr. Mandela, I guess you hate the people who incarcerated you for 25 years. I want to give you Mr. Mandela's quote. He said, to harbor bitter feelings of hate towards an individual is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. And you see today, there's a lot of you that people have hurt you in your life and you're still carrying around those hard feelings. You're still carrying around that load of unforgiveness in your, in your life and you're hoping that they die and all the time it's slowly destroying you. You've got to, you've got to forgive them. You've got to just say, I forgive them. Where they ever apologize, where they ever repent, where, what, it makes no difference. But I am forgiving. That is the Spirit of Christ. And I encourage you to practice that Spirit of Christ. Some of you deal with the sin of anger. You're really just a very angry person. And you know what you say? Sometimes you will refer to your mate and you say, you know, you just bring out the worst inside of me. You caused me to be like this. No. No. They don't put, they don't put anything in you and they don't bring anything out of you that you hadn't already put inside yourself. All, all you're doing is manifesting what you really are inside. And a lot of people, they, they live such angry lives. They, they got pent-up anger. And, and, and it goes back again to something that they let happen in their life. And they've never forgiven that person. And, and they've never shook it loose from them. And they just get angry. Wow. Then from anger, you, go to, you become negative. Negative people. You know, I don't know anybody that likes being around negative people. You know, have you, have you just seen people who, everything in life to them is negative? You need to go to the Bible. I'm telling you, the Bible is a very positive. But you know what? I've read the end of the book. I know we win. Do, do, you, do, you, do you realize that for those of us who are saved, this is as bad as it ever gets? Woo! 
Yes. Man. This is as bad as it ever gets. Living in an air-conditioned home, driving air-conditioned cars, going to the beach, swimming in pools, eating at nice restaurants. This is as bad as it ever gets. Now, for those of you who are not saved, when you leave this world, it's going to get a lot worse. A lot of people deal, and I'm amazed again, too, of how many people I, I counsel that are dealing with depression. And I know that there are, there are physical reasons, chemical imbalances, and other things such as this that lead people into depression. But I'm going to tell you something. The majority of people that I deal with that are depressed are not depressed because of those reasons. They're depressed because of how they think. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You dwell on negative thinking. You let negative thinking dominate your mind. You're going to become a very negative person, and you're going to become, eventually, you're going to become a very depressed individual. Depression. You know, bad things happen to everybody in life. I read years ago a statement that's so true that said that we probably do not have control over 90% of the things that happen in our life. But we have 100% control over our attitude towards the things that happen in our life. And that, my friend, you better watch it. You better watch it. Again, I think of people who are in depression and they're, they go into grieving. And you know what? Grieving is a natural process in loss of life, in loss of things. And God gave us the process of grieving to come out of it. But I want you to understand that grieving is a process, and when you are grieving, you must plan an exit strategy for yourself from grieving because, number one, nobody else can plan it for you. And number two, if you don't plan an exit strategy for yourself, you will go into depression because you'll never come out. You've got to plan an exit strategy in your life. I've actually counseled people that felt bad because they started feeling better. That's of the devil. You understand me? That is of the devil. God wants you to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. And there's a difference in joy and happiness. Happiness is results of happenings in your life. Joy is because of your relationship in Christ Jesus. And that's why we can always be joyful in the Lord. And then I think of people who struggle with poor self-images. And, I, and I'm, I'm so amazed at this. So many people today, and especially today, uh, the youth of our nation today, do you realize today that young adults and, and, and teenagers, they make up the overwhelming majority of people who attempt or commit suicide? And yet the youth of, this, of the, today, no generation prior to you has ever had as much as you have. No generation has ever had as much as you have. You have everything to live for. And I want you to listen today very carefully. I don't care what your age is, whether you're a teenager, whether you're in, in midstream of life, or whether you're advanced person age such as myself. Listen to me today. If you ever, if you ever, if you ever have the thought of suicide, I want you to listen to me. You're listening to the devil. You have just heard the voice of the devil in your own head. God will never tell you that. God will tell you, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. The thought of, of suicide will never come from God whatsoever. 
And I remind you of this, that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But yet so many people, they live with such poor self-images. The Bible tells us that you are fearfully and wonderfully made today. But yet I find so many people who, they're not satisfied with who they are and what they are. And you know what? I remember a time I, I was like that. You know, I, I grew up a little toe-headed boy, South Alabama, freckle face all over me. The kids would say to me, oh, look at all them freckles, all them freckles. Hey, look at that, you look at all them freckles on him. <laughs> Until one day, I was told, do you know what those spots are on you? Those are angel kisses. <laughs> and the reason you have so many is that God and the angels loved you so much. You're talking about changing my psyche. Son, I went, to, I went back to school and I said, hey, you people don't have no freckles. God don't love you. <laughs> Now, you say, I don't know about your theology. Well, it might not have been the right theology, but it was real good for my psyche. <laughs> but people struggle from poor self-images today. Oh, my. I'll mention another one, and I'm going to get out of this. Addictions. All kinds of addictions today. And I'm talking about saved people. You know, one thing that's, that's going through our nation today is, is, is the addiction to pornography. And I'll be honest with you, every person that I've ever dealt with, the same thing goes, everybody has the same line, oh, I can quit. If you could quit, you wouldn't be an addict. I don't care what, what your addiction is. By the way, I read a statistic not long ago that said, do you realize that, that in America, of all the computers that are turned on every day in America, one out of every three will go to a porn site. James Dobson's foundation did a survey in which he said the number of professing men who profess faith in Christ that are addicted to pornography and those that are in the world who have no professions of faith, he said the difference is so small you can't tell the difference in them. What a sad, sad testimony. But I'm telling you something. There's probably people sitting right here this morning that are addicted to pornography. And you think you're getting by with your sin. You're not getting by. It's, it's, it's destroying you internally. It's destroying you mentally. And I want to tell you this, all addicts, what, what, regardless of whatever it is, in, I, in my area where I live, we have casinos everywhere. And, and there are people who, who now who are, are addicted to gambling. People who can become addicts to, to, to drugs and, and all the other vices of the world out there today. But there's one thing that every addict has in common. And that is that every addict has lost control of their will. And as long as you deny that, you'll never get victory. And there are people who are saved and born again, but yet they are addicts today. There, 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 there are people who are addicts in pornography. There's people who are addicts in all of the kinds of walks of life because you've yielded control of your will. God help us today. And there's, there's a hundred other things that I could talk about today. But I want to go on to one more point in my message, and that's this. If you're ever going to change, not only you've got to become dissatisfied, secondly, there's got to become a direction that you're going to grow in, but thirdly, you've got to be determined. You've got to be determined. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season 
we shall reap if we faint not. I'm reminded of Florence Chadwick, who in 1952 set out said she was going to swim the Bay of California, a distance of 26 miles. She trained, she prepared, she trained, she prepared. She set a date on the calendar. The, uh, it, it was publicized in the newspapers and all the radios and it, it, all the medias. Uh, everybody was talking about it. The day that she came for Florence to swim the Bay of California, it was a dark, gloomy day, misting rain. Winds were blowing. The waves were very high. Florence Chadwick's manager said to her, Florence, Let's not do it today. Today, the, the elements are too bad today, Florence. We need to reschedule this thing. And Florence Chadwick said, I'm not going to reschedule it. I am going to swim the Bay of California today. If I change it because I am a female, they'll say she chickened out, and I'm not going to chicken out. And so with that, the manager could not talk her out of it. The two lifeboats on either side of her. She waded into the water, and she began her swim of 26 miles, high seas, winds blowing. And sure enough, the manager was right. Florence Chadwick later asked to be pulled into the lifeboat, only to later realize that she was less than 1,000 feet from the shore. Less than 1,000 feet from the shore. And when she was told Florence Chadwick literally fell into her face, into her own hands, and she wept uncontrollably. And she said this, Had I known, I'd have never given up. You see, it's one thing to launch into a growth program for your life. It's another thing to, to stay determined. The Bible says in due season you'll reap if you faint not, if you don't quit. By the way, as Paul Harvey, us old people know who know that name, you grandparents and parents can explain this name to your kids this afternoon. As Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story is Florence Chadwick swam the Bay of California two different times after that. She was determined. And I want to say to you today, listen to me, that guys, I don't care where you are in your spiritual walk. God wants to challenge you with additional growth in your life. God wants to conform you to be more like Christ than you have ever been before in your life. I remind you, Peter said that there's a devil as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. The Apostle Paul wrote in his days and, and said to the people of his day, he said, I, not only do I challenge you to be a conqueror, but in Romans chapter 8 there in verse 37, he said, I want you to be more than a conqueror. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, most of the time, most of the time, we, we are pleased just being a conqueror. But Paul said, I want you to be more than a conqueror. See, to be a conqueror means this, that when Satan brings that temptation that, that he's been bringing to my life, and, and I, I've been indulging my life into that and being overcome by it over and over again, and, and now then today I say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a conqueror today, and now then when Satan brings that to my life, I am victorious over him. That makes me a conqueror. And I encourage you today to set a goal to be a conqueror in your life. But Paul didn't stop there. Paul said, I want you not only to be a conqueror, but I, want, I want you to be more than a conqueror. And I used to think, what, what was Paul saying there? 
What did Paul mean by that statement? More than a conqueror. I finally was studying and I realized what he's talking about. You see, to be a conqueror is to resist the temptation. And I defeat the devil. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But to be more of a conqueror is when I take that, that, that Satan is bringing into my life and I use it for the purpose of endearing me and making me more like Christ. Wow. Take the thing that Satan has, has been pounding you on and, and, and beating you down with it and not only be a conqueror, but let it conform you now to be more like the image of Jesus Christ. And you will not only be a conqueror, but you will be more than a conqueror. What does the Lord want to do in your life today? What changes would God like to implement in your life today? Now listen to me today. Please, listen to me. Please, don't sit here and think, huh, God doesn't want to do anything in my life. Satan just got the victory. God has a plan for all of us. Are you in step with God is God free to make the changes in your life that he wants to make today? Would you let him begin today by you submitting yourself to God, saying, God, I give you permission in my life to start a growth program in me. And then when it comes, and seems like everything is breaking loose in your life, don't run, don't hide, don't whine, don't complain. Be conformed to the image of Christ. Be a conqueror and be more than a conqueror. I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask Pastor to come.